Welcome to Mountain Mama Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mountain Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken, and I am um, your host today. Debbie wants to send you her love. She's still recovering from a wrist injury. Um, wants to tell you, Lori, that she wishes she was here. <laughs> and we miss her, and hopefully she'll join us next time. So our guest today is Lori Jesse. She is one of my neighbors here in Lehigh, which I just Hello. think is so... <laughs> So great. She's been a mountain mama since the beginning. The very first snow trip up to, snowshoe trip up to Donut Falls. In fact, we're doing Donut Falls this... Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> and yeah, we love to do it in the wintertime. It's a beautiful waterfall that falls through a hole in a cave. So we love to go up there. Hopefully when the avalanche danger is not too bad and then eat donuts and it's fantastic. But yes, that was our very first Mountain Mama trip yep. ever done ever for women. So yeah, that's right. You've been around for with us for a long time. Well, so, so Lori is going to share with us a story about a yurt adventure, a snow yurt adventure that we did a few years ago that ended up just wacky crazy. Um, and we did it as a Mountain Mama trip. And, but there was just a small crew of us just trying to figure things out. So um, we're excited to hear that story from you. Before before we get going, Lori was born in Ogden and currently lives in Lehigh. From California. I like to say I'm from California. Really? So you were born in Ogden and then moved out to California? Well, my parents, actually, they lived in the Dells, Oregon when I was born. But uh -huh. my, there was no hospital there, only a clinic. My mom refused to have a baby there. So she came up to Ogden just before my due date and lived with her mom until after I was born. Oh. So that's why I was born in the McKay Hospital in Ogden, but mm -hmm. I never actually lived in Ogden. That's interesting. And then she went back to Oregon? or I went back to Oregon, and then they traveled around a little bit with my dad's work and then ended up in Phoenix, Arizona for a few years where I lived basically my first five years. And then we moved to San Jose, California and lived there till I moved here. Oh, okay. Well, that's... until I got married. And... Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. So you're so, a California girl. I grew girl. up in California. Oh, yes. I love it. I love it. And you're currently married, have three adult children, living the dream. Your children are adulting-ish. They are. <laughs> they are. At least two of them are. <laughs> I feel like there's always one that just needs to be home. And yeah. yeah. And he's a good guy. We love him lots. And your other two daughters have joined us on adventures since they were teenagers yep. in Mount Mama's. And now they're joining us when they can in their busy, young, cute 20 lives. Yep. <laughs> I love it. And then uh, Lori currently works as a dental assistant. And a fun thing about her is she said something happened when she was newly married. Her second week of marriage, you... Yeah, second or third third week of marriage. We had um, just gotten married and finished our receptions and packed up our bags and moved to New Jersey. Like the same week, um, <laughs> my husband had gotten a job out of there, out there. We just both graduated from BYU. And from Brigham Young University, yes. one of the universities here in Utah. Yes, in Provo. And um, so we drove, took three days and drove straight to New Jersey and he had a job, but we didn't have a place to stay. And we did stay with a family out there for a few days until they're daughter came back home and needed the room and the bed we were staying in and uh we still had did not have an apartment and so we lived in the back of his truck 
We had a mattress in the back of the truck, and we had stuff in a cooler <laughs> that we had for our lunches. Uh, went to a deli down the street sometimes for breakfast or in showered. My husband worked in a physical therapy clinic at the time that opened at like 6 in the morning. And so at like 5 in the morning, we got up and showered in the clinic before the, <laughs> I love it. the patients got there. And, and uh, yeah, just parked the, the truck in the parking lot of the clinic and slept in the truck for a week, our first week of marriage. <laughs> well, first week out in New Jersey as a, as a couple alone. So, yeah, it was... It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I did that for a few months, too, just living out of a truck. Sometimes, I mean, unfortunately, some of us, just that's just how life rolls, and that's where you end up. And some people do it by choice. I had a friend who did it by choice for a year. Just, mm. And I think part of it was financial reasons. So I tell me, did you guys find a place to live after that? Yeah, we just had to wait for his first paycheck so that we could mm. put that first and last month's rent, you know, down on the apartment. And so it was... Because neither of us we used credit cards to get ourselves out there. And so neither of us really had any kind of a nest egg when we got married. So, yeah. So we just had to wait <laughs> for that first paycheck. And then we found an apartment and moved in. Homeless on your honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we had the one vehicle. And my husband actually traveled to a couple of different places doing um, athletic training to some high schools in the afternoons. And he needed the car. So I always took a bus to... To and from work every day as well. Mm -hmm. So they were fun adventures. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> that's what I love about the 20s. Like when you're in your 20s, you are just figuring yourself out and figuring out the world and yourself in it. And it lends to so many different, like, I hope that people have a wild, crazy 20s, like with their spouse or single or with, with however you're doing it. Because, for, you know, like you're just yeah. ready to take on the world and do all the wild and crazy things and experiment and live here and over there and try this career and then try this other career. and Yeah, it was really fun because I'd never been like Utah was as far east as I'd ever been, but I had never been to the East Coast ever. So I'm just like, when he had that opportunity to have a job out there, I'm like, yeah, let's go. And <laughs> I'm ready for adventure. Our, our, that first apartment we got was like two blocks from a wall that looked down over the Hudson River and we could see on the 4th of July, the parade of boats go up the Hudson River and uh, went into New York City all the time. And at Christmas time, it was great. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. So Lori and I were just talking about this story, I think just a couple months ago. And I thought, Lori, you need to share this because I think this is an epic, this is an <laughs> epic adventure, a an adventure gone awry that it needs to be shared and captured because it was so, yeah. And I don't know if my sisters have done a yurt adventure since this traumatizing trip that we've <laughs> I haven't either but I want to I want to go back yeah you were too scared <laughs> I was scared in the moment but then it all worked out so well, let's let's, let's um, zip it up. um yeah so um set the scene when did we do this and so I just looked it up on my calendar this was December 16th and 17th Friday Saturday overnight um on in 2016. Oh, it has been a few years. So it's been a few years. So some of my details <clears throat> might be a little foggy, but we plan to do a snowshoe up to a yurt that you, mm -hmm. Emily, rented uh, for the night and got the code and everything. And a yurt is like a Mongolian hut is kind of where they came from originally. Oh. So it's a circular um, temporary building. So it's built on a circular platform that's usually, gosh, I don't know, 20 feet 
in diameter or whatever. Um, it's, it's usually pretty big. And then they build a canvas or plastic canvas is kind of how it is now. So it's waterproof circle and about six feet high. And then it has a, like a dome, like a conical dome. And it has usually like a little skylight at the top is kind of how it is. And then they have bunk beds usually, and then a fire um, burning, wood burning stove. And then a lot of times like a kitchen that's already there. And or, you can, yes. like the forest service rents it. This, the ones that we went to were in Ashley National Forest here in Utah near Vernal. And they're super cheap, by the way. And they're run by the National Forest Service. But there's yurts everywhere. I know some of the ski resorts here in Utah runs, have them that you can rent out. Um, there's some private ones that people rent out. So it's, you know, if you want to go stay in a yurt, do it. It's awesome. Yeah, I had never even heard of a yurt before <laughs> this trip. I did not know what it was. And it sounded exciting and fun, kind of a cross between a cabin and a tent. That's exactly what it is, yes. <laughs> and uh, it sounded fun. And we were supposed to leave, I think, if I remember right, you wanted to leave at like 8 in the morning because we had to drive clear to Vernal, which is, what, three, yeah, three, like three hours, hours away from, where from we are. here. Um, and then up into the mountains to the trailhead. And I'm like, well, how long is the the hike? And you're like, oh, it's about two miles. And I'm like, oh, we got plenty of time. Let's wait and leave till 9. I wanted to sleep in a little bit. <laughs> So we drove, we had our backpacks. So we, we did had, sleep in. We ended up going yeah. a little later, which ended up being an issue. Yeah. Yep. Um, we had our big backpacks. I borrowed snow shoes from a friend and her poles. And we got to the, I, if I remember right, we started on the trail, right? Pretty much at two o'clock. We mm -hmm. started hiking out up on the trailhead from Which, the trailhead. In the wintertime, your sun goes down, at least here where we are around five, six ish. So we only had a few hours to get to the cabin before it was going right, to get Which dark. is something I had not thought about. <laughs> I don't think about the, the sun going down early, especially up in the mountains. It's even darker. And, and it was snowing the, too, wasn't it? It was like a blizzard. It was snowing. Not blizzard. But it, it was wasn't snowing. snowing at first. That's right. It was just like cloud. It had snowed. So there was fresh powder everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, first of all, these the these snowshoes I borrowed, the poles, I couldn't get them to, to tighten very oh, the, well. The, the hiking poles? My that hiking with, yeah. poles. And I couldn't get it to tighten. And so you, Emily, said, I never use my poles, so just go without the poles. Well... <laughs> We're carrying big backpacks. Which is a good time with to sleeping use bags. Yes, you know, is. these are backpacks, not day packs. These are big backpacks with our sleeping bags and our gear and food and everything in it. So I go starting out on the trail and no poles, which will come into play as part of the um, <laughs> misadventures of this trip. So we're hiking out on the on this trail, and we have little blue diamonds stuck in the trees to follow our trail. Yeah, so this is a trail that none of us had done before, and we were right. using like a couple GPS apps on our phone to kind of make sure help us find the way. Um, ones that weren't very good, I will say. It was before I started using Gaia, which is actually our favorite one for getting lost in the mountains. It helps mm. us get out. Yes, but, that one um, but yeah, so our maps were not good, and so we were. At first, we were okay. We were hiking a little. We figured we knew where we were headed, but no one had been on the trail, so there's nothing packed down. We were literally a new fresh powder, like you're saying, and the only way we knew our trail, the trail markers were these plastic three-inch, probably long 
blue diamonds that had been nailed about six feet up on the trees, which is not six feet up in the winter because it's like higher. And so it's like maybe Actually, only... they were higher. Were they pretty that. high? They were pretty high. Because I remember having to look up. Okay, so the they trees. must have had them up really high. So I think they had them up really high to accommodate for snow. No. But that was our only but, trail markers that we could use during the day. Yes. Yeah. And so poor Emily and Marilyn are big adventurists. They are the ones that had to um, blaze this trail. <laughs> and our snowshoes are going down in the snow about a foot and a half with each step. So it was grueling. Mm-hmm. It was tiring right from the beginning. Um and it, there was four of us. It was Emily and Marilyn. My sister. And their little sister, Christine. Christine, yes. And then me. I and was Christine the odd was man her, out. Three think, sisters and me. I think was, Christine was in her, like, early 20s. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then Newly Lord. married. <laughs> and, and, um, and here I am in my 40s, late 40s at the time. The, it starts snowing. We're, we're hiking along, blazing this trail. And it starts to snow, and the trail is getting, I mean, we're getting more snow. Yeah, and it was getting deeper. the trail deeper. markers, those diamonds, they were like in little boxes. And so some of the snow um, was kept off of them because of the box covering the top half of the diamond. But then the bottom half would fill up with snow a little bit. So you'd only see half the top half of the diamond. So they were hard to see. And then as the snow got harder and harder... It became almost like a blizzard at times, and we couldn't find our markers. And it was there were meadows dark. that we had to cross, and we didn't know which tree had our marker in it. And that so is we the had worst. To take a guess, go the right direction, and look around for the marker in the tree. And I mean, I remember that was like the yeah. scariest part because I feel like we started hitting meadows in the dusk time, and yeah, exactly. We could go about like the markers were about every ten feet, so you could go from one to the other pretty easily. Um, as long as you were in the woods, but like as soon as you hit a meadow, then yes. you're like, you have to. Find, the marker is out there on the edge of this meadow, but I don't know if it's like to the right, to the left, to the middle. And so we would have to like walk the perimeter of the meadow until we found it, and then continue on. Oh, meadows were terrifying, especially as it got dark. It just ended up being like blackness. Yes. yes. And then I would lose my balance, and I didn't have a pole to keep me standing, <laughs> so I fell over. And I'd at first. I could get myself back up. Sometimes I, most of the time, I had to take my big backpack off to get myself up off the ground and then put my backpack back on. And as time went on, my legs started getting tired. Poor Marilyn, most of the time, or Emily, somebody had to help me up every time I fell down. That's true. <laughs> I kept falling down without the support of poles and then didn't have a pole to help me get back up. And mm-hmm. so poor Marilyn and Emily had to keep coming back and lifting me up. And so that made it more tiring for them. My legs started getting tired. At one point, I remember, I don't remember if it was snowing or if this was a lull in the storm, but we came across, we were taking a little break, and I was looking out over the mountain. It was still daylight, and there was like a meadow. We were on a hill, but we could see pretty far across the mountain. And I remember just commenting how awesome it was. Here was these four lonely women all by themselves in the middle of nowhere on the side of a mountain in a snowstorm. But it was so beautiful. And I just remember how awesome it was. This was before anything got scary because it was still daylight. (laughs) And we were about halfway there, I think, at that point in time. 
but then it started to get dark and we weren't making as much progress as fast as we, we thought we would. Yeah, we thought we'd easily have been at the yurt by then. Yeah. Yeah. And so here it is now, you know, five-ish or whatever, and it starts to get dark and it starts to get harder to find those diamonds and my legs are starting to get really tired and eventually we were in the woods. My left hip especially started to hurt really bad and so I was actually each step I took I was grabbing my pants and lifting my left oh leg my up gosh. and back down to help with that because I just didn't have enough muscle strength with the soreness in my hip to mm -hmm. keep going um by itself so I was facilitating my left leg with each step <laughs> grabbing it and lifting it and um, and it was starting to get more and steep, then it was, I think. And it was getting steeper because we were getting to the top. The yurt was like right on the ridge <clears throat> at the top of this mountain. We were so. hoping it was because our maps, <clears throat> I think, well, by then one of our maps was showing it was like another two miles or something ridiculous. We're like, okay, well, yeah, that can't be that right. That can't be right. And we did pass signs that told us that we were on the, I don't remember the name of the trail, but something yurt trail. Mm -hmm. And it told us that we were on the right track. Right. <laughs> we knew we, it was somewhere that we were still on our trail. Um, and it got really dark. And Christine and I were just standing there while Marilyn and Emily were running around trying to find that blue diamond. They're looking up in all the trees with the flashlights. And, and we had headlamps and, and stuff. And we just could not find this blue diamond and didn't know where to go. And it was dark. We all said a prayer to help us, you know, where do we go? Which way do we head? And was this before or after I suggested we would have to take a dig a snow cave? Yeah, and that's what I was just about okay. to say is I think we prayed a couple of different times, I think. <laughs> we prayed a lot and, of us. <laughs> um, at, yeah, after one of those, we're like, we may have to build a snow cave. Either that or hike back down. Well, I mean, it seems like... As dark as it is, and as tired as we are, and as long as we've been hiking, it seemed like 9, 10 o'clock at night. It mm -hmm. was only not even quite 7 at the time. Yeah. But, and so it's like, well, I guess, you know, we could technically hike back down and get to the cars before 10 if we had to. Um, but and we've, been we've, we've been hiking since We've been hiking since 2. So I was going to say, and we I'm were just out there like, for I'm like thinking, 4 or 5 oh, hours. I don't want to go back down. I don't I just want to go back down. I'm too tired. Yeah, I remember leading and thinking, we're not going to make it back in this blizzard in the dark uh, now yeah. and being tired. That's why I was like, yeah, we might skinny. just have to dig a snow cave because if that's the only we're going to survive the night. Like, it was getting... Right. Fun. We were we were starting to shiver. Because we couldn't for like, cold. where is this cat? Like, we couldn't find... The maps just weren't accurate, and we couldn't figure out. We knew we were close, but we still couldn't find it. And yes. we thought we could be like two miles away, or we're like a quarter mile away. We didn't know. It was it was so scary. Yeah, it was. It was. And I and I'd never been in a snow cave. You have, but to me too, it's like I build a snow cave. <laughs> I don't want to sleep in a snow cave. Please, <laughs> I don't want to hike back down. I'm too tired. I really don't want to sleep in a snow cave. Come on. Really and motivated. I'm sure the same thing's going through Christine's mind. You know, we're <laughs> both just sitting there shivering, going, oh, please, please, please let us find this yurt. We're, we go out on the side of the ridge. We can see the valley below. We're in a spot that's like probably the road in the summertime. 
and you can see the valley below and the trees and it's really pretty but we're really scared we're like we've got to be near the ridge we've got to be close it's right you know this is probably a road we've got to be close and so uh, before we went drastic and started building a snow cave, Marilyn <laughs> suggested, she goes, why don't we hike up here and see if we can hit the ridge, and, you know, just for a, a little bit longer. And if we can hit the ridge and we don't find the yurt, let's cross the ridge for just a little bit and see if we can find it. And if we can't find it, then we'll build our snow cave. But mm -hmm. Let's just try going up we're to so the ridge. And we probably had to just said a prayer, I think, too. And I think we had just, yep, just <laughs> said another prayer. And not too long before that, we had passed another sign. So we knew we had to be close, but we could not find any more diamonds. Mm -hmm. They were just buried or gone or something. We could not find the diamonds. So we're like, okay. And we started hiking up the hill. And it couldn't have been more than about 100 yards, maybe even 50 yards. It was so glorious. There was the yurt. <laughs> <laughs> like oh silhouetted in the darkness, in the moonlight. Yurts the have no electricity whatsoever in the yurts and so, or around them. And so you, we couldn't see them. And the flashlights, headlamps weren't bright enough to go quite that far. So we had no idea it was right there. If it was daytime, daylight, we'd we have seen, seen it. it for sure. So but I was like, yeah. Thanks to Marilyn and her inspiration. <laughs> Amen. We continued up and we found the yurt. Hallelujah. <laughs> and um, then, then <laughs> we crawl onto the patio of the yurt. The snow is like a foot below the patio. Um, and like two feet so on like the no, patio. No, it was deep. Yeah. yeah. And on the patio. We had to crawl up onto the patio of the yurt. Then the lock was frozen. It wasn't working. We couldn't get the, <laughs> the combination to work. It was a combo, right? Mm -hmm. We couldn't get the combination to work. It wasn't opening. And so we're starting to panic it's again. So we're going to still And whoever was in the year last did not leave a shovel outside the door like they're supposed to so that we could move the snow away from the door. Mm -hmm. and shovel is, so we're starting to dig with our hands our cold hands, even though we had gloves on, and my feet, by this point in time, my shoes, I, they weren't real waterproof shoes, so my toes were already numb, completely, and freezing, and um, we're digging the snow away from the door while Emily's working on the combination lock, and finally we hear the words, I got it! <laughs> oh my gosh, it worked. that was after some, like, serious prayers. <sighs> yeah. So it finally warmed up enough and it worked and we got it open and we shoved the door open and we get inside but we and then it's like not a cozy yeah. cabin waiting for you like yeah, it's a frozen it's... building that we have to heat wood up wood floors yes wood bunk beds wood burning stove we started that right away and a gas stove which oh, no, we were was, going it was a wood burning stove to... we, we had a wood burning stove but there was also the gas stove oh i forgot and, about that and but we couldn't find the propane tanks uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember it now? That's right. We're looking for the propane tanks. And there's like maps or like something on the wall of the yurt, like a picture of the yurt or something, but it doesn't tell you where the propane tanks are. And in your instructions, it doesn't tell you where the propane tanks are. So we couldn't find the propane tanks to turn the stove on to cook our food. Oh, yeah. It was for the stove. Yeah. For the stove. And... 
Emily had brought gourmet steaks. That's right. She packed steaks in her backpack all the way up. Because the, I have to say, the premise was, the whole premise for this trip was that I had been on multiple winter yurt trips and they were glorious. And it was, they were like backcountry ski tours and, or, you know, or wherever we were just spending a weekend in the mountains and we ate great. Like it was all about the food and we wanted to have like gourmet food that we're cooking in these yurts. And they were like hot because we like stuff you know we were stoking the fires like this was my vision and so mm -hmm. i was like no worries we're gonna bring fantastic food yes and then so of course. and we had we had some cup of soups and cocoa <laughs> as well but we had steaks and since we couldn't get the stove going um other than the wood burning stove she finds the frying pan a <laughs> cast a cast iron frying pan and she puts one steak at a time into the stove <laughs> And we're cooking one steak at a time That's and right. sharing the steak as we cook it. Um, and while there's getting stuff set up, I'm just sitting in front of that wood-burning stove with my toes trying to get them to get some feeling back in them because they were completely numb and I was frozen and tired. And, and so I felt really guilty because you guys <laughs> were doing all the work while I just sat there trying to warm up. Um, but then... I think we were probably on the second or third stake, and you found the propane tanks. Mm -hmm. uh, they had been, they were under the porch, and so oh, they had been that's covered. Right. The snow had gone, you know, covered the porch up to the, the porch, so we didn't go under the porch to find them until later. You finally did. I don't know if you just decided you, you know, you had to find those propane tanks and started searching. You found them just under the porch. And um, so they were protected from the snow, uh, which makes sense. <laughs> it made sense now. Sense. But at the time, you're like, who would have thought? Ah. So we finally found them and got them turned on and got the stove on. And so we could cook a little more at a time. And I have to, and so what I think it's pretty funny. So we after had our dinner, then we're like, let's have some entertainment. And you brought out, what did you bring? Well, I had brought, I expected <laughs> to get to the yurt like at five o'clock. So I'm like, we're going to have. Plenty of time to have fun. So I I had brought some books. I brought like at Several least one. Books. I think I only brought one book, hardbound book. But it was like it was a big book. It and was it was hard. It was a hardcover book. So it took up space and weight in my backpack. I also brought four packs of cards. Because I wanted to play like spastic or whatever you spaz or spaz, you know, those nerds, different those games. Nerds. Yeah. Same different names for the same game. But I wanted us to be able to play card right. games and, and different games. So I brought four packs of cards so we could play cards and uh, probably a couple other games. I there. mean, you had like five pounds um, of, of just game weight. I think Marilyn said it later that it was Jenga. So it's not Jenga. <laughs> I did not bring a bunch of wooden blocks. I don't even like Jenga. I don't we even own Jenga. We were just amazed at your dedication but, for recreational life. But yeah, so I felt bad because they were the ones always having to pick me up with my big heavy backpack <laughs> when I was <laughs> falling down. <laughs> oh. But <laughs> yeah. So we made it to the yurt and amazingly we had cell service oh, when right. we got into the yurt. So we all called our husbands and said we made it safely. We're not frozen to death. My husband was able to tell me how to get the lantern lit because it was, you know, the old-fashioned lantern where you had to stick the match in and light the, the little mantles. Mm -hmm. And I didn't remember how to do them. So he was able to tell me that. And um, 
I remember not sleeping real well. I kept jumping off the top bunk and pushing more more wood into the wood burning stove so that it would stay warm. That's right. I think we all kind of did that all night long. Yeah. And the, the the bunks had like a two-inch foam mattress, and then we had our sleeping bags on top of that, you know? So it wasn't like super hard prison-like conditions. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, they were, I mean, it's meant to be super warm and cozy, but I feel like we never quite got super hot in that, your, that first night. Like it got warm. It got warm. It okay. got warm. We put our water bottles that you did, you told us about putting hot water in our water bottles and put them at the base of our sleeping bag. So oh, that. that helped. And put a sock over it. Oh, and, it's so brilliant. Uh-huh. Oh, I love that trick. And, um, and I just, and we kept it pretty warm throughout the day. And then the next day we woke up. And it was gorgeous. It was. It was a glorious view. Gorgeous. The sun was shining. There was no snow falling. We got down in like two hours. (laughs) (laughs) To the car. Back to the car in like two hours. We had breakfast and we were like done. (laughs) We were done. (laughs) I have to say like, I, I, we may not go back in the winter for a while, but I, I want to go back to that year in the summertime because you can actually drive to that one. I wish I could yeah. I remember the name of it, but I know they're in the Ashley National Forest and they have a whole bunch of them and yeah, and they're all super cool. But this one was particularly challenging. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to go back in the summertime and see it. And then I would like to try it in the winter again. Yeah, and that's exactly leave, how I want to do just it. Just leave earlier. <laughs> So that we can start on the trail before noon or by noon. And, and then if, if it's the same trail, we know where we're going, what yes, we're doing. Yes, we will have done it before. And this is actually one of the reasons why Mountain Mamas has a policy that we do recons on everything before we take the women. Because of this yeah. trip. Because mm-hmm. we were like, because we were just like new to all of us and it was a disaster. So yeah, we were like, we are always going to make sure that a women... Whenever they come on a trip, they we know what to expect before. And we go through all the craziness on the recon. So when we yeah. bring the women, then it's not so bad. But, yeah, I think, do you feel like you would do it again if we... Definitely. <laughs> You're Definitely. so cool. It was, it was the only, like, the, I won't say near death. I don't think we were near death <laughs> experience. But it was the, the only experience I'd had where I really actually got scared that I might have to spend the night on the mountain, Mm -hmm. you know, in a snow cave, which I'd never done before. And, you know, or thoughts go through your head, like, oh my gosh, are they going to, you know, our husband's going to get news that these women are stranded on the mountain and froze to death, you know, or something, you know, is, is this going to happen? Um, are we going to be one of those statistics that, that, you know, we just didn't make it? Uh, but, and, you know, Little House on the Prairie goes through my head when they had the big <laughs> snowstorm and they're all out searching for their kids because I watched Little House on the Prairie. I think right around that same year I was watching all the episodes. But, yeah, I it was an adventure. And once we once we got into the yurt and I knew we were safe, it was just, it was fine. That I was, was fine. It was an experience that I wouldn't say traumatized me. It just, it taught me. Yeah. And... And so I definitely would do it again. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> you are a tough woman. And I have to say, Lori, from the very, be- very beginning, you were one of the mountain mamas that just were like, had a free and adventurous spirit. I was always watching out for you because Lori, <laughs> we would cross country ski and she'd be like, I'm going to go do this hill over here and, and these jumps. And like, I just love that. Like you always have that the deep passion and for adventure and I've always, courage. Yes. You have so much courage. And you know. I used to cry when I wasn't tall enough to go on the roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for sharing your stories with us today. 
And to hear more fun and adventurous stories from women like Lori, click the subscribe button and um, share us with your friends and all the stuff and the things we are just, and we're so grateful to have you joining with us today. And if you are in the Utah area and want to join our group and come play and have adventures, um, check us out at mountainmamas.org, M-T-M-A-M-A-S.org and come play. And even if you're not in this area, you can check that website for um, information about gear and trainings about outdoor skills. And we have so many things on that website. So definitely check that out. Um, and if you want to join our Facebook group, it's a private group, but you can email us from um, at M-T-N-M-A-M-A-S, Utah at gmail.com. And we would love to hook you up and get you ha having adventures and stuff with us. So thank you so much for joining us. And that's it for today's adventure. Join us next time. And as always, remember, a woman's place is in the mountains.